Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today I'm excited to bring you an episode with Tiffany James. Tiffany is just a super energetic, super fun person to talk to. Uh, I spoke with her actually while I was doing a business trip down in New York, and we actually couldn't schedule the call to like shoot close to like midnight uh, Eastern Standard Time. She lives out in California, but the conversation went so well it it didn't even it didn't even seem that late, frankly. So we uh, we actually have about an hour long episode on this one. I think you'll really enjoy it. She's like I said. You know, it's just a lot of fun, a ton of it, ton of energy. It comes across loud and clear, not only on this podcast, but also if you read her blog, uh, www.runningforcarbs.com. That's also her Instagram handle. And um, you know, over a three-year span, 2014 to 2017, she dropped a full hour off her marathon time. She got a Boston qualifying time after a near miss um, in her third marathon. And uh, you know, we kind of recount that story. We talked a little bit more about just her work life where she works at Fleet Feet out in uh, Sacramento, which is a big running store. And they have uh, just a wonderful running community out there. And, of course, how can I not talk about carbs with running for carbs? So we uh, we end the episode with that. Uh, I had a blast. And uh, we actually talked a little bit about how she took a month off uh, recently and the benefits uh, of doing so for her and why she did it and how she's excited to get ramped up for uh, for Boston 2018. So I hope you like this episode with Tiffany James. Got a bunch of people reviewing the podcast recently on iTunes. And I'll just say thank you so much. You know, it warms my heart when I see people share the episodes, share the podcast and uh, write flattering reviews on iTunes. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? So uh, thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. And I hope you like this episode with Tiffany James. Tiffany, hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about it. I am too. And I really appreciate you coming on. Um, it was one of those things where I'm excited, you know, I've been following you on Instagram for a while and your running story is quite a captivating one. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on the show. Yeah, no, I think um, I'm excited for your lineup. And I mentioned earlier, it was really exciting that little old me, you had asked me and I, I feel quite honored to be part of your lineup this week. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I'm uh, you got so much going on. I really wasn't even sure where right. to start. Um, but I guess I guess the first things first, I would say you had quite a year in 2017. You got your uh, you kind of did your your two you actually got two BQ qualifying times, which is uh really phenomenal. Your latest one, 327, which was your PR. First of all, congratulations. That must have felt amazing. I love the finish oh. line pictures. You can just see like the happiness all over your face. Yes, thank you. Um, so yeah, in 2016, I ran a uh, CIM. And that was my, I believe, third attempt at a BQ. And it was it was it was a mess the whole race. I mean, it ended up working out really well. And I'm that race holds a special place in my heart. But the last six miles, I literally had to fight for every single mile. And at the end, I was throwing up as I crossed the finish line and was on the finish line, like throwing up and they were having to pick me up and like, we have to move you. I'm like, okay, but just please turn off my Garmin. And then, 
so at that point I'm sitting on the floor when my husband found me and I'm throwing up and he looks over at me he's like you freaking did it and I just started crying because there was just no way in hell I I thought I had done it I thought I was just way behind considering how hard those last miles were um but yeah, it was exciting because then comes Mountains to Beach because I realized I was cutting it really, really close um, to the cutoff time and wasn't really sure. And I wanted the extra cushion. I didn't want to have to stress out about it. So I was actually supposed to run the Eugene Marathon, but I ended up getting really sick for three weeks and that pushed my training back, which sucked because all of my friends were running the Eugene Marathon. So um, that was hard because I was the only one training for Mountains to Beach there were a couple of us on the racing team, but I very much had to do it alone. And my husband couldn't come to the race. My parents couldn't come to the race. So it, it was a tough one, but it ended up being a really great race. And I, I love it. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I can imagine it, it really is a, a huge accomplishment for a lot of people. And just so everyone is aware who's listening to this, what do you mean by the extra cushion you needed when you referenced your, your the 333 that you ran at CIM? Yeah. So um, based on, you know, previous years, I knew that there needed to have that window of time. So for me, I'm 29 now. Oh, so <laughs> at the time I was 28, but I knew I had to be in the range of under 335. So to get under that range, I ran with the 333 pace group at CIM and I was in that cushion, but I knew I needed probably a couple more minutes just to for sure have my spot in based on how you enter for the Boston Marathon. So that's when I decided to run Mountains to Beach as my last chance for the 2018 race. Right, because you have a qualifying time, but there's only a certain amount of people that get into the race, so you need to try to kind of get as far under the time as possible. Yeah, which was nice with Mountains to Beach. I was one of the second or third time that, I don't know, we got to apply. It's so funny because some people are really, really, like they're, they know all of this stuff, and I'm like, wait, when do I sign up? Okay, yeah, 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 someone tell me and we write it down, and I'll be sure to do it. Um yeah, sometimes I should probably be more diligent about stuff like that. But yeah, it was exciting. Well, I mean, you must be pretty diligent if you're throwing up on the finish line and having your husband you know, <laughs> turn off your Garmin. I mean, that is that, that's that's you know pretty detail oriented. I would say. <laughs> yeah, at that moment, I think that was all I cared about it wasn't the throwing up part. I just wanted my Garmin paused so it could be as accurate as possible. Um, just runner of course typical runner thinking about pause my garmin so <laughs> that still makes me laugh to this day well you it's funny that you say typical runner because diving into your background it's almost like that is a phrase that while it's it's easy to use now now that you you know have four marathons on your belt you're a marketing manager for fleet feet in sacramento and davis uh store which is you know a wonderful company it's, it's a it seems like a really nice opportunity to not only have a profession that you like, but to do it in an industry that you're passionate about. You know, going back a few years, not only were you not the typical runner, you basically weren't a runner at all, right? Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, going back even to high school, like your your connection to athletics, it seems to be almost tenuous at best. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's funny because I was completely into. I was a speech and debate president. I was class president for three years and that's what I did. I, sports just wasn't my thing. I actually 
got out of PE class and was able to talk my teacher into being the TA. And I still received my PE grade for it because I didn't want to do exercise. I didn't want to exercise. I didn't want to do sports. Um, I would rather so not. What does a TA do in PE class? Um, at the time I was reading and I would read books or go do other things like my student government stuff. I'd make posters and things like that. Yeah, it was pretty, I don't know how I got away with that, but but <laughs> so yeah so all right so so you went from basically ditching pe class yeah. and did you do did you do and i'm assuming if you're if you're not doing pe there's no way you're doing other sports right yeah not in high school um i did cheer for like a year but it just wasn't my thing so no i wasn't into sports in college i i didn't do sports i was a I was a party animal. Um, it was pretty ridiculous. I had gone to Catholic school for nine years and I went to high school. And then after when I moved away, it was just crazy fun, whatever, whatever I could do. So it's funny now my college friends are like, and now you just like run so much and you're into exercise. I'm like, I know. Can you believe it's me? Like they, they have a hard time believing what I enjoy doing now as my passion. So it's funny. So where did you, where did you go to college? Um, I went to Sac State and then San Jose State. Okay. Got it. So did you grow up in that area? No, I grew up in Sacramento. I am Sacramento born and raised and love it here and refuse to move. My husband, we had the, he's from England and I had the opportunity um, to move to England if that was an option and I refused to leave. So so I think we'll we'll be here for for a long time. All right. So what to what exactly turned it around for you in terms of getting into running? Like, what was your kind of introduction into it? So I actually, um, prior to meeting my husband, I was in a very toxic relationship, and he broke up with me, and it was just very back and forth. He broke up with me, and at the time, my cousins were signing up for races. They were running races almost every month and they were training and they were into running. And I was just like, Oh God, I need something else to do. I need something to keep my mind off of this breakup. Cause at the time it was just the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. So one day they convinced me to come out for a run with them. And I went out on a run and it ended up being an eight mile run. They tricked me and cause they told me it was going to be like three to four. And um, we ended up running eight miles. And ever since then I've been hooked there have definitely been times, I think in 2011, that's when I started running with them. There were times like within the past years after that, where it was very off and on with running. My relationship was just kind of like whenever I felt like it. And there'd be a lot of periods where I didn't feel like it. Um, but that's when I started running. And that's when I started signing up for races and really enjoyed it. So that's why I always went back to it. I really personally just enjoyed it so much. Now, an eight-mile run is a long run for people who are, you know, are pretty seasoned runners. So what about an eight-mile run did you even find enjoyable as a beginner? Um, it wasn't so much the distance, but I think it was just knowing that at the end of it, I was like, whoa, I'm capable of doing that. I never, ever thought that was possible and that was within me. And it was interesting because at the time I was always just so sad about being broken up, but at the, it just empowered me to know that it's going to be okay and that I can like count on myself because I just did something that I never thought I could do, which was really, really exciting and gave me hope. 
Right. So it was, was it like a, so it was empowering and a confidence booster and was it also, or a little bit just like keeping your mind off of it or you know, how would you yes. rate the factors in terms of like what it did for you? Yeah, it definitely kept my mind off things, which is also nice. So I enjoyed that. So as I mentioned before, so you're a marketing manager at Fleet Feet. So did you start getting into working in athletics prior to kind of participating in athletics or was it the other way around? Um, no. Well, yeah, it was because of participating in the Sacramento running community. That's actually how Dusty, the owner, found me. He reached out to me. He's, um, I was on the racing team. I had joined the racing team in 2016, and that was the Leapy racing team. The biggest game changer for me um, completely changed how I train. Um, working with Coach Chad has been incredible. He's really helped me become the athlete that I am today. And with the racing team, that's how Dusty had saw um, my Instagram account and just started seeing more information about me and what I like to do and about my passion. And I went in for an interview. And in my interview, I brought up camel toe. And because <laughs> one of my articles that I had first wrote at the Shamrock and Race was about camel toe and how to avoid camel toe while running. And that's when he was like, I just knew you were the right person for this position. And <laughs> it was a perfect fit. And I, I love my job. It's been really exciting. See, that's not the, that's not the <laughs> typical interview topic, at least in any <laughs> of the interviews I've been in. Um, so what, what exactly um, about, I guess, your writing style made him think that you'd be a good fit for Fleet Feed? And obviously it, it seems to be working out. Yeah, I think it was definitely just knowing what direction we wanted to take our brand and really figuring out the voice of our brand. And I think even though I brought up camel toe and that was a little like a little much, but it was funny. He knew that I would take it to a level that really solidified who we were as a company and who we were as a brand. And um, it's really turned things around and it's, it's been so much fun and We've, we've really enjoyed working together. I enjoy working at Fleet Feet um, with Dusty as well. So it's it's great. It's awesome. Right. And, and even from afar, um, it seems like Fleet Feet has a reach in the local community, um, kind of wherever it is, that really connects to, to the local runners. So yeah, as someone who works as the marketing arm of that, what's the best way you know, that you find to connect to those running groups, um, not only the first time, but to kind of keep them engaged in a way that makes it like an authentic connection to a corporate entity, which is not exactly, you know, the most symbiotic relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting because working at Fleet Feet, you meet so many different levels of athletes and runners and people just wanting to become athletic. And it's, it's just, it's really great. I mean, some of the things that stand out the most is um, my uncle who recently came in and went through our whole fit process. And for him, he's always shopped at like big five and just got a pair of shoes for work and has always had foot pain. Never realized that there was a way to go to work and a way to work out without having pain. He just kind of became his norm. So going through the whole fleet feet process, it was just a complete like 360 for him. He would text me afterwards and was just like, my run today felt so amazing. I didn't know this was even possible. So you meet really like, you meet great people in the community that have that story. And then you also meet people in the community that are, you know, 
trying to qualify for their first Boston Marathon or just wanting to run their first 5K. And you just get to meet so many great people. And it really just shows like what a great running community we have. And it's, it's really special to be a part of that. Now, I'm excited to talk to you about your kind of your running journey, but this is such a fascinating topic for me, especially this era where you have, you know, the Amazon.coms of the world that are, you know, basically putting out, you know, putting huge, huge corporate entities out of business, almost single handedly to say nothing of the, the footwear industry where you have the Zappos and so on and so forth that, that also can um that can get that can get out there and, and you know just taking away the middleman altogether, right? You can just go on any of these uh, companies' websites and just buy direct. So, what's the key for a company like Fleet Feet or any of the the similar shoe stores, you know, community shoe stores around the country, which cater to runners, you know, and running groups? What's the key to kind of you know engagement and fostering that relationship to the local running scene? Yeah, I think it's. I completely agree with you. And I think it's absolutely 100% about the experience. When you come into a Fleet Feet store, from the minute you walk in, you are greeted by a staff member. And the knowledge that our staff have, is it's incredible. I was actually, the first time I ever got fit, um, fit for shoes at Fleet Feet, I was wearing shoes that I bought um, from Kohl's on clearance for $20. And I ran a marathon in one of those shoes. I don't know how I did that. But I was wearing the wrong size. And I would have never known. So just having that knowledge base with the staff and the experience that you receive when you walk into a Fleet Feet store. And that's not even just with the fit process. It's, you know, getting fit for a bra, nutrition questions, training programs. It's it's the whole package. And once you experience that, I feel like it's one of those things where you just, you never go back to, um, you know, shopping on Amazon for shoes, for running shoes, especially. You just you have to experience that to understand um, what an incredible staff we have, how knowledgeable they are, and what a great um, change it can impact on your running and whatever you're doing for fitness. And for you as a marketer, how much of that become, you know, is, you know, in terms, let me put it this way. As a marketer, how much is that being proactive in terms of, you know, getting out there and telling somebody about, you know, sale or letting them, letting them know different things that you're doing in the community or providing content that they find, you know, engaging or entertaining versus being reactive in terms of just being like, hey, people in the community are, you know, commenting about X or, you know, I see on social media that, you know, that Jane Doe is participating in this race and then you're engaging on Fleet Feet's behalf. Like how do you segment your time in terms of making sure that you kind of satisfy both sides of that spectrum? Yeah. I mean, luckily I work with, um, I work with an incredible marketing team and just a, a awesome team in Sacramento in general. So we really work together to make sure that we're doing that on both spectrums. And I feel like we've, we've been really successful with that because also we do produce, um, about, I think it's nine local races in the area. So on top of marketing, you know, retail and store and tr training, they have a separate department, but they do a phenomenal job. And with that, we also do events. So we just have a really awesome team and a really great staff that just know how to rock it and do, we work really well together as well. So awesome. 
Yeah, the California International Marathon uh, this past December, so the first weekend in December, um, was also the U.S. Marathon Championships for the men and the women. And I saw a lot about Fleet Feet at that time. This sounds like a Fleet Feet commercial. That is not the point of the time. <laughs> they were listening to this. They're like, what is going on? Are they sponsoring? No, they're not a sponsor. I just think this is really interesting. Um, you know, especially with what I do with the podcast, I try to market it. So I, I just, I get really tied into just like all the ins and outs of all this stuff. So I feel like I saw a lot about Fleet Feet in, in the run up to CIM. Were you involved at all in any aspect of that in terms of sponsorship or, or what have you? Yeah, um, our marketing team handles a lot of like the sponsorships with um, local vendors and local races. Um, so yeah, CIM was a huge, huge um, part. Fleet Beat, we love working with CIM and it's, it's just really great for us. It's so fun to actually work the whole CIM convention. It's a lot of work, but it, it's fun and it, it's really rewarding. So it, it's a great race for us. We, we love it. All right, so back to the running. I, yeah. you're Please feet, you're welcome. I spent yeah. like ten minutes talking about you. Um, no, but I, I do think it's. I do think it's right. Well, I just think it's really interesting, and I think the other piece too is that you're in a position that I feel like a lot of people could be envious of because you're able to kind of marry your passion with your professional life. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I came from a job, a couple jobs before, where you know, I was making good money or I was traveling and ideally in that scenario would be the best thing, but I just wasn't passionate about what I was doing and to actually work in a job that you're passionate about and you don't dread going to every day is something I never thought I would get to experience. And I genuinely love my job and love what I do. And I love helping the community and we get to be a part of that at Fleet Feet. So it's great. And how does that affect your energy level? And I think this can this can be appropriate for anybody. You know, if someone doesn't look like working in athletics but does like to run, which there might be, a, you know, a ton of people who listen to the podcast who fall into that mix, how would you compare your energy level with, you know, working at a job like that versus maybe working at another job where you maybe didn't love it as much and yet you're still trying to, you know, balance the rest of your life and get in, you know, your 10-mile run or whatever? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because you would think, and it is, a lot of the times we are able to combine running because that's what we do all day long, um, talk about running. But it's interesting because something like the Urban Cow Half Marathon, we spend about three days packing for that race, unloading, setting things up. And come race day, we've already had all of that under our belt. So it's pretty exhausting. So when you show up on race day, you're not necessarily 100%. You've put in a lot of a lot of manual labor and a lot of work prior to the race. So when you come out to the race, you're just you're just doing the best that you can and you just hope for a good race and and you just make it work. So sometimes, yeah, it can be hard to balance it all um, just in the line of work, even though it is a job in the that has you know deals with running. It can still be a lot to balance at times. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to your running, so you, you really kicked it up in 2011 when you got introduced to it. And then you had a few years there where you did it kind of on and off, but it wasn't, you know, the staple of your life in terms of an athletic uh, pursuit that it is now. So explain to me your thought process in 2014, you know, kind of why you signed up for your first marathon and what that training cycle looked like. <laughs> yeah. So for my first marathon, um, I signed up for it because... I had been running a, a bunch of half marathons and I thought, okay, well, this is the next step. I have 
my training, it was a mess. I would run only a long run on the weekends and maybe one to zero runs during the week. And I finished, I finished my first marathon. It, it wasn't very, it was, it was what I call a shit show. Um, it was kind of a mess. My mom was worried something happened to me because I just, she kept waiting for me to come and I wasn't showing up, but I struggled. I struggled a lot, but there was nothing compared to how I felt after accomplishing that goal. And really it was my only goal was to finish the race. So my training, when I look at my training then compared to my training now, it's just completely different. Um, and that's when afterwards I had joined, I decided, oh, I'm going to run another marathon. And at that point I decided to join um, Fleet Feet Sacramento's training group because I was like, you know what? I think I want to try now to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I think this is going to be my year. I'm going to join a training program. If I work really hard at it, I think I can do it. It was just okay. All right, I got, I got, I got to jump in there. All right, so <laughs> just going back to the first one. So you said that it was a shit show. Like, in what ways was it a shit show? Because I can't wait to go back to like, hey, I'm going to go from shit show to PQ qualifier in one big step. So what exactly, um, you know, in what ways was that race, you know, a disaster for you? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily so much to do with time. It was definitely how I felt. Um, not getting in those training ones during the week. I was regretting it the entire time. Like, what? Why? Why didn't you run? And at the time, I love carbs and I love my McDonald's. I would fuel right after my 20-miler with a Big Mac meal. Like, there was just no nutrition that was happening that made any sense. So that marathon, yeah, it was definitely a shit show. I, um, I just felt terrible, and I wasn't fueling myself properly throughout the run as well. And I also didn't have the right shoes. So there's just a bunch of things I could check off that were, were a good experience because I learned from them, but it was just a mess. But I, I loved it. It was a great mess, so. Right. I mean, that's such, a, that's such an odd dichotomy, right? Like to have right. that experience where like you're basically running the race and you're like, you know, why the F am I doing this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> But then to finish it and then to have the complete opposite feeling, you're right. So what what about the finish line experience made you say not only like, hey, maybe that wasn't so bad to like, all right, not only that, I'm going to double down and do more of this. Yeah, I think prior to the race and like how I mentioned before, I was very off and on about running. I would sometimes run and not run, sometimes run, not run. And I decided to sign up for this marathon. My husband's like, oh no, here we go again. Are you sure you're going to do this? Like, he just didn't want me to put myself through that. And it was very much in my head where he was like, I don't know if you're going to be able to do this. And once someone tells me I can't do something, you better believe I'm going to do something. Um, I may not be able to do it tomorrow. I may not be able to do it in a month or a couple months, but I'm going to figure out and keep working to, to get it done. So I think that was just a huge self-accomplishment for me. Like people thought I couldn't do this. I, hell, I thought I couldn't do it in the middle of the race. I was just like, why did you sign up for this? You shouldn't have done this. You can't do this. So finishing it, you just feel so like, so proud of yourself for doing that. Right. And then in your second marathon, we ran 417. You had a little hiccup there right before the, uh, you know, a couple weeks before the race. Yeah, yeah, that was um that was rough. I had gotten a new job and I injured myself and I just it's funny because when you look back at it and at the time 
it sucks when you're in it. But when you look back, you're like, I just wasn't ready. Like I wasn't ready to qualify. I wasn't ready to run a super fast race. And all of those experiences just led me to feel so much happier when I did. Um, on great, well, the day before at the convention, I ended up buying new goose. I ended up buying an ankle wrap. I don't know why I just did. And I wore it, um, for the race and I tried new goose for the race. So I tried everything new, which is a big no, no and lesson learned. Um, <laughs> so yeah, my race just didn't, my race plan didn't go as planned and, and it was rough. It wasn't what I wanted. It it was still an accomplishment from where I was. So I was still very proud of that, but it wasn't the BQ I had hoped for. And didn't you sprain your ankle a couple of weeks out? Yeah. Yeah. But prior to that, I hurt my ankle. I could barely even get through a run. I actually couldn't. Um, and I wasn't running. So it just, it was a rough little training cycle at the end. Now, why was getting a Boston qualifying time so important to you as opposed to say, all right, you know, I could run a marathon, but why don't I just focus on getting PRs or, you know, running faster in shorter races? Yeah. I mean, to me, I always saw Boston as just like the Super Bowl of marathons. And it's just something I have always wanted to run and work towards. Um, and it just was, would be just a huge accomplishment for myself. And I, at the time, my friends were all trying to qualify for the Boston marathon. And most of them actually did during that race. They had amazing races and I was so proud of them. Um, but yeah, in the running community, especially when you, when you want to excel into another level, it's obviously like, Oh, let's try to qualify for the Boston marathon. And when your friends are doing it as well, it's, it's fun to work together towards that goal. And that's a great point. Cause a lot of people either, you know, listening to this show or just people that you, you, you talk to, or even read about, they always talk about the benefits of being in a running group and just that peer to peer social experience, how it can really aid your training. I mean, what, what aspects of running in a group, um, really worked for you? Yeah. You know, it's funny because tonight I just left track practice and we, um, we kind of have it, it's broken down into groups and I'm in a group called D group and we all work together. And, I can't even tell you, I would never have been able to push through some of the paces that we did tonight without the group. And it's just that group mentality. And it's something about running next to your teammates who are helping you push and motivating you and, and are hurting just as much as you to help keep you determined to go. And I, ever since experiencing that with like Fleet Feet training and then Fleet Feet racing team, it's really hard to to go back from that. It's, it's, it's an awesome experience for sure. Now, when you're running those track workouts, do you feel like, are you one of the kind of person who wants to lead the group or where do you like to fit in the group? Every person has their own little thing. Yeah, no, it's funny because tonight we were all taking turns leading and stupid me was like, I'm going to lead the last one. So we had, um, 12 by 300 and I was like, I'm going to lead the last one where I'll go balls to the walls. And we're just going to go as fast as we can. Cause that's typically what we do on the last one. And by, by the ninth one, I was like, yeah, you guys, you know, I don't know really why I said I was going to do the last one. Cause I'm really tired and pushing on the last ones really sucks. So I do prefer to, to kind of stay back in the group, but on that last one, I don't know where that came from, but I pushed as hard as I could and, and it was awesome. So yeah, I kind of prefer to just kind of stay back and let people pace the group and I can kind of hang on and, and do my best to just stay right there. So what, what, uh, what reps were you doing? 
You said the last one. What, what kind of distances were you guys doing today? It was 12 by 300. Okay. So yeah, 300 meters. Um, those were, those are tough. They're fast. So they're tough. So the 12 by 300, did you have just like a jog, jogging 100? What was the recovery? Yeah, so the, it was literally a walk. So it was amazing. You got to just walk and there's no jogging. It's just walking. So we would walk very, very slow and take our 100 recovery very seriously. So okay. I, so so where do you where do you start tensing up? Sorry. So you like you finish the finish line where you do like you walk the turn to the to like the next three hundred marker. At what point does it go from like ah I'm enjoying this rest to like uh oh I gotta like get back in I gotta lock back in here. Yeah. Once we start seeing the next cone and we realize like uh, it's go time. Okay, this person's leading. Oh no, this person's passing the cone. We've got to go. <laughs> so yeah, it's it was fun. I I wouldn't have been able to push as much or as hard without the team tonight. All right. So, so, so 2000, so 2016, you, uh, you got, you got, as you mentioned before, you got involved with coach Chad, who you've referenced all the time in social media. So I obviously he's, he does a really good job with you. You always talk about how he's, how he's a great coach. So what about having a coach was a big benefit for you specifically? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, um, with the training group, I had a better understanding of, workouts, speed workouts, but, um, I didn't really understand. I really didn't understand track workouts. It was all very new language to me. I didn't understand pacing properly. Um, so coach Chad has really just helped mold me into the athlete that I am today. Um, helping me figure out like what works best for me and how to not like compare myself to other people and what type of paces they're doing. And what's going to work best for me in the long run to get me to my goal. And it's really great with him because he's really sarcastic. So, and I like that. Um, He doesn't baby me, which I need. I need someone to kind of give me that little extra kick in my step when I need it or when I'm complaining to be like, okay, well, like kind of suck it up type of attitude. And I appreciate that because it works well with my personality because I can complain a lot when it comes to, to workouts that I don't want to do. So he's the good, he's the good um, balance to me. So what was the biggest mistake? If you're like looking back on it now, what was the biggest mistake that you've corrected in terms of you know the, your training paces or the different things he's helped you with? Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things um, I tend to sometimes, well, this is still a process because last week I did this, um, tend to go out just too fast, too fast, too fast. Cause I get caught up in the moment or I'm like, Oh, but that's my team right there. I gotta go. And just, and just go out balls to the walls on the first mile repeat is what I did last week. And it was stupid. So that's something I'm, it's a constant work in progress for me. And that's something he's just like, you know, you need to pace yourself. Why did you do that kind of thing? Um, so yeah, it's definitely a work in progress. But it's one thing that I'm learning to do is to not go out too fast at races um, to not because you can get kind of caught up in that, especially at the start line. Everyone's just going for it. And and for a while, it feels great until you get to a mile that it doesn't. So it's learning yeah, to pace myself through workouts, through races. So, you, so you're training for CIM, the 2016 CIM. You have this dream of getting a BQ. At what point in your training did you start to think like, hey, this is a reality, that this isn't a dream anymore, that this is actually something that could happen? I think at the time it's when I had ran a half marathon and I was able to somewhat keep up my goal marathon pace. 
that's when I knew like, okay, maybe this is actually possible. If I keep working really hard, I trust the plan. I trust my training that I may actually be able to do this. And for the first time, it was the one time that I actually ran. I think I had run um, about five 20 milers, maybe four 20 milers. And I had wow. never done that before. So the distance for me, um, endurance wise, like it was there. So I thought, okay, this could actually happen. Maybe I could hold this pace and really, and really qualify this time. So the goal marathon pace was around eight minute pace for you. So mm -hmm. at what point in that race did it start? Did you start hitting the wall? And did it, did it go from like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm just clicking off eight, eight minute miles, eight minute miles, eight minute miles to all of a sudden, hey, like this is something's going wrong here. Yeah, it was funny because after um, they have at CIM, they have this like generic wall set up. And at the time when I had I'd seen my friends over there and I had seen the wall and I was like, F you wall, I got this. I was super cocky at that moment because I was feeling great. So like, oh my gosh, this is in the bag terrible terrible mistake it was so stupid of me because um it was after the the fake wall and once we went over the bridge by sac state is when i just i literally just stopped i just stopped right there my husband's like what are you doing I'm like i just need a second he's like you don't have seconds let's go and i just struggled um I think at the time my nutrition was a little bit off. I didn't, I was mixing some things that kind of upset my stomach. So I wasn't feeling really well. And I could tell it started to affect me after mile 21. And that's when I just had to like push as hard as I could to just keep pace. And I also seen some teammates that were not on their pace either. And at the time, I'm like, we've got this, we've got to keep pushing. But I was just like, crying trying to hold it in and just like pushing as hard as i could and it just it was hard it was really really hard to push through and at that moment the mile 22 mile 23 when you're really in the you know at the lowest levels of physical and emotional and mental pain at that point what kept you going and what did you have this like did you have like the devil on one side and the angel on one side like, like you, know, you should quit versus like, no, stay in it. You got to push harder. Did you have that experience or were you just focused on like, I'm going to get this done? Yeah, it's called Dan, my husband. Um, he was pacing me for some of those miles and he was literally yelling at my at me and my family. He's just like, <laughs> like, babe, I do not want to hear you complain about this after the race. Like, I'm just not going to listen to this. Let's go. We have to do this. This is what you've been wanting. And I'm just like, at some points, it's like, no, I don't want it anymore. I don't. And he's like, yes, you do. <laughs> so he was just yelling at me and telling me the things that I needed to hear. I didn't want to hear them, but I needed to hear them. And also, I knew that my family was going to be, um, they ended up being at the like turn that you get to the finish, which is always wonderful to like think about my niece and to think about my parents waiting there for me and my friends. Um, so that was just really good to know, like, okay, then my parents are going to be there. Family's going to be waiting for you. They're, they're there. So just keep pushing. And the closer you get to the finish line, you just have so much crowd support. So I started seeing like, there's a fleet, the aid station there. So I saw my coworkers and friends and you just start seeing familiar faces, which, which helps. Um, but there's definitely that devil on the side, um, just like, don't, don't do this. Just stop. You, why did you sign up for this? And you're just definitely fighting a mental battle at that point. And it's tough. It's really, really tough. 
that that's the exact same experience I had in my first marathon. Like you're, you're describing it perfectly. And a lot of what you're mentioning are external motivators, right? Like your husband, your family, your friends, you know, you have, you, this was kind of your home course, so to speak. So you just have your elements around the race course internally, when you have these, these hard moments, whether it's in a race or in a tough workout or just getting out of bed and doing an early morning session, what, internal drive or what internally drives you when you don't, when you can't rely on the external motivation? Yeah. What internally drives me is just, um, how much I love it and how much passion I have for running and fitness. And it just makes me feel good. And I, I know for me personally, like on the morning when I don't get my workout in my day, just kind of doesn't feel as good as I don't know that's kind of a weird explanation for it but I just kind of feel a little more whole with myself um when I when I am able to get that run in and for me a lot of you know getting a run in on my own or running with a friend is just a stress relief from everyday life and being able to just get out there and and it, it just feels great because I also you know at some points for me I just feel like it allows myself to relieve stress and to clear my head and then I can come back and be like, okay, that situation wasn't that big of a deal. Why were you so upset about it? Like, let's just move on. So it's just a really great place to, to think and clear my head. And you must've just had a, a wide range of emotions at the end of that CIM marathon, because you had that experience of like overcoming, you know, a lot of difficulty to, you know, to not only finish, but to finish in a wonderful time. You got that Boston qualifying time, you finish in 333. So all of a sudden it's like the joy of like, hey, I'm done, this is great. Not only am I done, but I got this wonderful time, this is great. And then at the same time, or maybe later, come to the realization of like, shoot, it might not be good enough. Like, you know, it's kind of this this roller coaster ride for you. And then you, I'm at that point, were you thinking like, hey, if I get the BQ, I'm going to be running Boston in April? Like, what what was the mental roller coaster for you at oh, that gosh. leading up to you know the end of the race and then after that with Boston in mind? Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It was definitely a roller coaster. I mean, just that minute, my husband turned to me and was like, "You freaking did it!" I just started bawling because there was just no way in hell I thought I did it. I just didn't think it was possible um, considering how hard those last miles were. And then like seeing my parents and being like, I did it. I did it. And they were crying and my sister was crying because they, it was three years in the making essentially. Like I had tried for so long to, in my mind, you know, to, to qualify for Boston, even though I was so far from it a, a while ago, I just, had been trying and trying and trying. And I, and I always knew that at some point, if I kept working towards it, it would eventually happen. So it was just like, at that very moment, I could be like, wow, it actually happened. I actually did it. But it's funny because then, you know, lovely social media, you post it on there. You're just like, I'm so proud of this day. Like I, you know, I'd be cute, whatever. Um, and people are like, yeah, that's probably not enough time. And I actually didn't think about it at that moment. It just didn't really cross my mind that until someone, a couple people, of course, were like, hey, yeah, it's probably not enough time. You're going to need to run another race. And so I had thought, wow, crap, I probably am. But you know what? I'm not going to let this ruin my moment. I'm going to I'm going to take this in and, and you know, t- take this little glory moment for me for a while and and allow it to be what it is, um, a huge accomplishment and appreciate it and feel grateful. But then it was, you know, a couple weeks later and then it was January. I'm like, okay, so I'm probably going to have to come to terms with the fact that 
I want a little bit more of a cushion and I'm probably going to have to train for another marathon. So that was tough because, um, I was pretty burnt out. I was just tired. Um, and I kind of go through these phases sometimes where after like a hard training cycle, especially putting my body through that, I was pooped and I needed a couple weeks off from running, which I typically will take if I'm not feeling it. So I took some time off and then decided, okay, I'll train for Eugene. And then I ended up getting sick again. So there's another obstacle thrown at me. I got sick for like three weeks, couldn't run for a while. Um, and that was tough and making the decision to not run Eugene. Cause I went back and forth with my coach and like, you know, well, maybe I'll just run it. How about I just try? Like, it'll probably end up working out. And he's like, I think the best thing for you is to run mountains to beach and give yourself a couple more weeks in training. And I didn't want to do it because my husband couldn't come. My family couldn't come. My uncle and aunt ended up coming with me last minute, which was so amazing. I'm really grateful for them to do that. But it was very much like on my own. I didn't necessarily have anyone to run the race with. I wasn't probably going to stay with a pace group. I didn't have any family members on the course to look forward to. It was just like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this completely on my own. And you, this is like your moment. This is the chance to do it. So it was, it was tough. It was stressful. And it's basically the exact opposite of CIM in terms of just the, the, the social setting for you. Um, what was the, what was the time difference between when was the Eugene marathon run and when was mountains to beach? I think that Eugene was the beginning of May and then Mountains to Beach was the end of May. So it was a couple weeks difference, maybe, or maybe like three to four weeks. I'm not quite sure on the timeline. I just knew that it would give me um, a couple more weeks or a few more weeks to actually train and get a few more training weeks in that would help me since I lost some time being sick. And it did. And besides the sickness, how did your training change between um, the cycle for CIM versus the cycle for Mountains to Beach? Yeah, interesting. Um, mountains to Beach, almost all my 20 milers were awful. They were terrible. So I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? I can't hold my GMPs. Um, I just can't do it. There was one time my husband was pacing me on the bike and I literally just freaking through a fit. It was actually pretty embarrassing. I just stopped running and I like sat on the ground and was just crying. I was like, I can't do this. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. I just, I can't. And he was like, you need to get it, get it together, sort your life out and like, let's finish this run. So it wasn't until my last, it was a 22 miler. I ran with my friend, Annie, and I hit every single GMP. And it was just a huge confidence booster for me. But all of those runs prior, they were terrible. So my training cycle wasn't the most ideal because I didn't feel super strong from it. I just kind of was like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm hoping for the best. Let's just see how it goes. And then on race day, luckily it, it just, everything came together and training and everything just worked out really well. So for your long runs, these 20 milers, how long of the, let's say, how much of the run do you run at gold marathon pace? Is it the whole thing or is it certain segments? Um, certain segments. It's typically anywhere from like six to 10 miles. It's definitely a buildup in weeks. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of goal marathon pace um, segments built into our training throughout the week, not just necessarily in the long run, but also like in a speed workout. 
So it helps. It's good because it helps you get comfortable with the pace, but it's also hard because in training, a lot of time, at least what I experience in training, it's really hard for me to hold those paces. And then all of a sudden you go on race day and you're like, oh, okay, this all makes sense. And, and then it, I guess the taper really does help. And I am able to hold this pace, but yeah, it can be a struggle during training for sure. So what was the goal marathon pace for you and how did you and your coach decide on what it would be? So I think from CIM, I ran an 805 um, average. So the goal for Mountains to Beach wasn't to do anything crazy. It was just to run and I think it was an eight or a little bit under if I could. Um, but basically it was just to get a 334 or or because that would give me enough cushion or even, uh, no, I'm sorry, not a 334, a 332 or even a 330 if possible. So those were my goals because I was like, okay, that would give me enough cushion. I would probably for sure get in. Um, let's just try to stick to that pace. So that was, that was the goal was just eight or a little bit under. And then what was the, and what was the race plan? Were you trying to negative split, positive split, keep it even? What was the plan for that? court for that race and was it course dependent like i don't know mountains to beach what you did you have to like do a little recon work to figure out like what segments you could run fast or was there was it hilly you know it's funny because i'm not too weird about stuff like that I, or i'm not picky i don't typically check out the course too much i did know that people would say it's it's mainly downhill there are a couple hills so i just knew to be to be cautious of the hills and to not take them too fast so my plan was just to stay evenly paced. Um, and if I felt good, which I think it's kind of always my race plan, if I feel good, try to pick it up at the end. Sometimes I definitely don't. Um, but I mounts to be. But I mean, who feels good? Who feels good at the end of a marathon, though? I what? mean, it's like one of those, like, it sounds great. But then you're like at mile 20, like, who feels great at mile 20? Yeah, no, I mean, I typically don't. But for some reason on this day, out of all days, I did. And I was able to have negative splits from, I think the last five miles maybe. And I was just picking it up. And I just, I think at that point I was like, okay, this is it. The ball is in your court. You feel good. You've got this, just go. Like, let's just finish this. And, and then it all worked out and it was awesome. Now, the one characteristic about you that comes across loud and clear, even from afar, is that you are just like a ball of energy. Is that always, was that always the case or is that just a byproduct of all this running? No, um, I'm definitely a ball of energy. I am the, probably the most random person you will ever meet. I'm also very goofy and I just don't take myself too seriously about certain things. My sister will probably tell you otherwise, but um I am definitely a ball of energy and I can, I can have a conversation with anybody and everyone. So it, it's, that's, yeah, that's my personality. There you go. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about too, because recently you took an extended period of time off from running yeah. and you, you kind of chronicled it. You know, you have a blog at uh, www.runningforcarbs.com running for carbs. And that's four spelled out F O R um, running for carbs is also your Instagram handle. And you mentioned how you had taken a month off or maybe even a little bit more from running just because of basically a reaction to how you were feeling. So for you, how exactly, um, how would you describe how you felt, you know, this, this past winter and then, you know, your decision not to run CIM and to really kind of distance yourself from running for a bit? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 
think with running, it, it can be some really great highs and there can also be some lows and you can just get burnt out. I think at the time I was just kind of, what I would say is just like, I was doing too much. Um, <laughs> I was just doing too much. I don't need to necessarily do every single race in the local area, even though it's awesome and it's fun and I love supporting local races. But for me, it was just putting my body through it and I wasn't feeling good. I could tell, um, that I was either on the verge of injuring myself because I was having some hamstring issues or I was on the verge of getting really sick. Cause I just, I just wasn't feeling myself. I wasn't feeling really good. Um, and then, you know, you're watching everybody on social media and everyone is training for CIM. So that definitely helped drive me to want to continue to, to train. And I would just have runs after run after run that felt terrible. And it wasn't just like feel terrible that this was just a bad run. It felt terrible where I just didn't want to get up to run anymore. I didn't have that passion. I didn't have a fire in me. So that's where I just knew, okay, you know what? I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to allow my body to rest, which is really hard for us runners sometimes to just rest um, and to not exercise all the time. And so, yeah, I took some time off and I am so glad I did when I look back at it now and I'm going through this training cycle. I think if I didn't, I would be feeling the same way right now. And right now you're about to, did, did, have you started your Boston Marathon um, training cycle or are you about to get it going? Yeah, we're about to get started. So right now we're um, base building. We're very much in the stages of base building, which has been nice because it's a it's been a great way to help me ease into training by not just like full on marathon training right away, but building up my mileage, introducing speed workouts back in because I didn't do speed workouts for like two and a half months. So that was a nice break, but it's also really hard when you're getting back into it. But definitely, you know, takes a lot of patience and I, I'm right there right now, just enjoying it and take, you know, enjoying the ride. But we'll start Boston training at the beginning of February. And at what point will you and Coach Chad decide, all right, these are the goals for the race and the goal for the training cycle? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> so we've, we've talked about them and he laughs at me because I definitely go back and forth. I'm like, this is my AA goal. This is my A goal. This is the B goal. Okay, and then it's just to finish. But I, I really go back and forth with, I may just want to run the race and have the time of my life and not worry about pace. I don't plan on running Boston every single year. I know that some runners do, and I think that's awesome. But for me personally, it's not my goal to run Boston every single year. So this one race for me, I want to enjoy it and take in every single moment. So I may end up deciding to just run it for fun. I am going to continue to train as if I wanted to race for time. I don't really have a, a specific time goal in mind right now. I'm trying to see where where I'm at with my body and how I'm reacting to speed workouts and just kind of evaluate closer on. But, but yeah, I mean, we'll see on race day if I'm just like, you know what, F it, I'm going to have a blast today and not worry about pace. I'm going to go with that plan and, and enjoy it and have a good time. Yeah. And then watch you like set a PR. Yeah. Be <laughs> like, I don't care about a PR. Well, well you just got one. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll all right. So, and then, so, it, you know, as I just mentioned, you're running for carbs. That's you. That's your handle. That's your website. So let's talk about some carbs because I have, <laughs> yes, if, I think, I think I have the number one sweet tooth. I am addicted to, 
to sugar, anyone, I'm the person in the office where like everyone basically unloads their like their holiday candy and <laughs> treats and sweets and New Year's Eve resolution candy that they don't want to eat because they want to stay on the stay on their goal. They bring in the office or they just plop it right down on my desk. So I'm definitely that person. That's so when you talk about carbs, are you sweet tooth type or are you like pizza and starch type? I am. So I actually, I'm not big on um, sweets. I did during the winter holiday. I don't know why for some reason I became like a cookie monster and I don't even like cookies. So I'm not really sure what happened then, but I typically am more of a fan of, I love chips. I love salty chips. That's actually my go-to after a marathon. I get um, Pringles and I get sour worms and a spray. Like after every single marathon, I have to, it's what I crave and I need it. But um, yeah, I mean, typically I love pizza. I love pastas, just talking about carbs. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's my jam and I love it. And it works well for me. I know, you know, for some people it's not part of their daily diet. And I always say, you know, do you do what's best for you. And for me, it, it seems to work and I like it. So, so I do it and I love pizza. It's actually, pizza is my favorite. I get tagged um, often by friends and pizza memes or pizza pictures or anything that has to do with pizza. All right. So if you're, you're anywhere in the country, where are you going for pizza and what kind of pizza are you getting? Gosh, that's such a tough question. Um, I have my favorites. It's hard because in Sacramento, I have so many. Um, that's a tough one, but I, I, I can kind of just go with, I'm not a huge fan of like deep dish pizza. I've had it. It's, it's delicious, but it's not my top favorite, but my favorite would be somewhere in Sacramento for sure. All right. So let's just look up right now. So I know it's, it's a hard one to say it's like to pick only one. That's tough, especially when it's like food that you love. Well, you're, you're not even eating dinner right now. You, you have Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle is literally people who don't know. We talked about this. You literally got it on your way home, but you're, you're doing the podcast right now. And you're Chipotle sitting on the counter waiting for you. So you're hungry right now. I really so if you had my husband didn't eat the guacamole. And because then I even wrote like, do not eat it. And I text him, if not, dot, dot, dot. So <laughs> we shall see. Um, All right. So if you could have any pizza right now, what are you going to eat? Okay. If I could have any pizza right now, I'd get pizza from Hot Italian. For sure. It's, um, they have them in Sacramento. There's one in Davis. It's more of like a thin kind of crust pizza. And it's just so delicious. I love their pizza. That sounds good. See, I'm starving too. So this is like, you're like, you're getting me going on the pizza right now. All right. No, I don't so, discriminate at pizza. I would eat pizza anywhere. I have pizza, wings. I'm a wings girl too. So I, I love me some wings. There you go. All right. So before we get going, I'm going to do the, the, the quick rambling runner um end of the podcast questions if you don't mind we'll just we'll plow right through these but before we do i want to uh just say thank you thank you so much for doing this i will advise anyone if they don't know you already to check you out at runningforcarbs.com that's running f-o-r carbs.com also it's a instagram handle um if you're going for a run are you going headphones or no headphones no headphones no headphones, even for the long run. Um, you know, I go back and forth with music, but um, most of the time, I've yeah, no headphones. But I do enjoy music when I run. But most of the time, yeah, no headphones. Okay, so in the rare occasions where you do have headphones, what music are you listening to? Um, 
it's either rap music because that's my jam or I was just listening to Cardi B on my way home tonight or it's Spanish music because I love some Latin workout. Okay. All right. So what, what other, what other hip hop do you listen to? Um, I listen to everything. I'm very much like the whole spectrum. I can, yeah, I, I go with a little bit of everything. Okay. All right. So what's the best advice that you give others about running, but you have trouble following? Don't compare yourself to others. For sure. And why is that hard for you to follow? It's so easy to say. Um, it's so I think in just this time of like social media, it can be really hard to see other people, especially like in a training cycle. Um, I'm like, okay, I have Coach Chad's plan. And then I see people doing more. I'm like, I should probably be doing more. I should probably be doing this. And you really have to learn to like take a step back. And I'm, this is always for me a work in progress as well is to just take a step back and do what's best for me. Cause what's best for someone else may not work well for me. And it's just not comparing. It really just takes away your happiness. And I hate that. So I try my best to not compare myself to others. Okay. But who motivates you as a runner? Who? My friends, my friends at Fleet Feet, they're incredible. They go out and run some amazing races and it's really inspiring. And I, I, I really appreciate them and, and their hard work for sure. Okay. So if you could run only one more race for the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would it be? Oh, it'd have to be CIM for sure. Okay. All right. So that makes it even tougher for you not to run it last year. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was tough, but dressing up as a pizza and running my friends in for 10 miles was probably one of the best experiences I could have ever had. Oh my goodness. That's hysterical. (laughs) Did they know you were going to do that? Um, I talked about it. Yeah. I talked about it a bit. I don't know if anyone thought I was actually serious because that costume was no joke. It was really hot. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was big. It was big, man. That was like, I was like neck to ankles. Yeah, it was huge. And it was really, um, it was basically like wearing a blanket, Um, but it was so much fun. And then the crowd would scream pizza. And then I, it was just, it was a blast. I, I had so much fun. All right. So what is your bucket list race? Um, I definitely want to run a race um, in England. I hope to one day run the London Marathon for sure and run a race in my husband's hometown in Liverpool. Okay. And who is your dream running partner? Dream running partner. That's That's the last one. So you can take as long as you want, Tiffany. Dream running partner. That's the last question. That's a tough one. Oh, I know. I know. This is ridiculous. I'm looking at my screensaver. Brenda Martinez. I love Brenda Martinez. I am upset. And and why is that? I've actually, I met her recently. And prior to that, I just was fangirling so hard over her. And she's just an incredible athlete and a really humble and good person. And I just appreciate that. And I feel like we have similar backgrounds and I love her story. I just think she's a very humble person and I, I think she's just going to go really far. So she's for sure my, my dream running partner. That's great. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I really appreciate you you coming on the show. Thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right. Happy running. Thank you.